0: Like I'm 25 and a musician but like I'm not like insecure to the point where I need to like be wearing leather and like pretending that I'm I'm cooler than I am, you know.
1: Hey there. You're listening to Talking About the Passion. I'm Thomas Irwin. This is a podcast where I interview different independent musicians and showcase their music. As for myself, I'm a singer-songwriter and producer who goes by Niagara Moon. If you want, you can look up more about my own music at niagramoonmusic.com. For episode 47, we have Basic Printer. Basic Printer is an experimental synth-pop project based out of Nashville, Tennessee. It is the brainchild of Jesse Walters, a polite young man from Binghamton, New York. Jesse and I are both part of a uh, music marketing Facebook group which is where I first stumbled upon a music video of his for his song Child Grows that I will play for you in a second. I think Basic Printer's music is freshly uh, unique but also really well produced and catchy. And Jesse was also a total pleasure to talk to. So uh, I'm excited to share this episode with you today. Without further ado, here's a song from Jesse's recent EP called Basic Printer. Um, And the song is called Child Grows.
0: If you're going to tour wherever you are, what's the difference?
1: Right. It doesn't matter where your home base is, if you're always traveling anyway. And Nashville is as good a place as any. Yep. So how do you uh, like it there so far?
0: So Nashville is, um Nashville's awesome. It's one of the top five biggest um, revenue streams for the city is music, which is cool. And Yeah, it's me, literally music city. <laughs> that's right. And... uh so well, the good thing about it is like people really appreciate the like weirder stuff and more underground stuff just because they have that like a lot of people just have a musical mind about stuff. It's not like um, like music is a science to a lot of people here more than it's like, uh, you know, like the music scene in L.A. or something where it's like there's a lot of vanity and a lot of um, like maybe vanity is emphasized or what's understood to be like uh, like a necessity, in music is like a like a um, a look and things like that. Like right, the look, the visual appeal. So a lot of Nashville people like uh, will walk into like a some like a kind of experimental thing and they'll you know get it, which is sweet.
1: Yeah, they're they're big on uh, musical innovation these days. What's this expression now? No country for new Nashville.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's a blog. Um, oh. <laughs> that's actually a blog, but that's cool to hear that, like, they have leached into the, the perception of things. Cause that's definitely like a sort of movement and just in the concept of it being like, you know, the, uh, underground being, um, something to be celebrated. Cause, it, cause the thing is like, the other thing about Nashville is that it is, uh, because the economy is, uh, the musical economy is the way it is. It's like what makes it economically are the are the big country artists and like the things you'd expect so there is this disconnect of like okay well if you're gonna be serious you gotta you gotta spend money at the recording studios and you gotta have the producer and you gotta know the right things you gotta like live on music row and blah 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 so it's like uh it's the the protocol yeah and to where there's like a, a lack of access to the homegrown kind of person you know so, and, but the thing is, it's like, we're all going to see these, like all the concerts we're constantly at, at are these small time, like cool local things. So it's like maybe like some misrepresentation. And I think there's a little bit of that, not anarchy, mm. but you know what I mean? <laughs> Social it's kind anarchy. of in free fall.
1: Yeah. So, and how long have you been down there? Since
0: 2015, the summer 2015. So going, going on three. So you
1: went there from, I forget where you said you were originally based on um, Binghamton, New York. <laughs> okay. So you're from New York state. Yeah. Do you know Binghamton? Uh, no, <laughs> but, uh, being in Western Massachusetts myself, maybe it's near somewhere that I would recognize.
0: Yeah. I'm not surprised you don't know it. It's kind of this weird, economically depressed, very cold, small city, uh,
1: bordering PA. It's most of New England. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, so on the uh, Pennsylvania border. Yes, it's the it's technically in all the right. southern tier,
0: is what they call it. Um, the area of New York. Uh, it's technically not upstate, but
1: it's relatively upstate. Well, anything that's not the city, I just tend yeah.
0: to call upstate. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, talk about that about the the PC version of upstate. You know, people all along, like on the way down to the city, like people live there. I'll be like, wow, we're. In- we're technically not upstate and that's like this big debate.
1: <laughs> it's a whole debate, yeah. So you grew up in uh kind of rural New York and that was uh, where you were based out of right up until 2015.
0: Yeah, and um musically speaking like I was active but it really didn't it really didn't get serious till I moved here. Um I mean, I was recording and writing all the time, but it was like and playing occasionally, but it was very um, a lot of it was like demo quality, and just a lot of the efforts were very
1: unconfident. It was more of a hobby for you back then, or that's kind of how you started.
0: Yeah, like I envisioned it being a real, uh, like a big deal, and that was you know has always been my dream. However, I've like it, like interacted with it, but at the time it was just didn't seem. I just wasn't confident about it. I didn't think it it, it could happen to me. And then, kind of as I grew up and get more experience and learn more things it's like well well, why don't you just put all your chips
1: on this thing and like give it a go hell yeah so um was that like after you graduated college or something like that yeah
0: yeah so exactly so uh, a few months after I graduated I moved to Nashville and then it just once I got my sea legs it was just like let's do this let's do this for real you know and it's just been like it hasn't you know it hasn't gone backwards you know like it's always been progress right so it's awesome
1: it's crazy yeah it's really fun um so growing up in new york though i mean what were you uh listening to what what was available back then
0: (laughs) so so i kind of like um so i had like a few breakthrough kind of artists and definitely like my biggest kind of turning point for music was um listening to Black Moth Super Rainbow. Have you ever heard of them? I've
1: heard a little bit of them. They're pretty freaky, psychedelic yeah. jam stuff.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's pretty lo-fi. It's technically one guy, um, and he it's all analog recording and instruments, um, analog synthesizers, but just the vibe is very particular and very fantastic. It's very wonky. Yeah, yes. super wonky, totally. And that kind of, um, a lot of his... So he's from, I mean, he's from rural PA and that was kind of a lot of his inspiration was like that scenery and that kind of matched up with where I was. And I, you know, I kind of just like spiritually connected to that, um, I think. And I don't know, it's really spoke to me and just that idea of synthesizers being like the, the point of it all, you know what I mean? And, but also using synthesizers, right. And like, in a way that's not like
1: I'm a robot, you know what I mean? It was like pretty cool. Yeah, it like, has kind of a really gritty sort of out of control edge to it. Totally.
0: And just has this like fan, like fantastical, like very visual element or, you know, like, uh, like it feels like it kind of has like a folklore of sorts or just, <laughs> it has more emotion like, like soul in, in it, which is, was really got me wow so
1: you were listening to that when you were young or did Uh, was that your teenage years
0: relatively speaking yeah like um when i was yeah when i was 16 or so 16 or 17 i was listening to um even before that kind of moment was i was listening to really weird stuff and uh it was just like a lot of that kind of idm like experimental kind of really fidgety like electronic stuff like um venetian snares and oh yeah venetian snares venetian snares yeah like um i forget the name of the i couldn't even if i remembered i couldn't pronounce it the name of that uh the one venetian snares
1: record the hungarian album right yeah so good man fantastic i'm so glad you know it yeah i used to listen to some of that stuff i guess i still do once in a while yeah so the the whole like super intricate digital nuttiness of uh like idm their so-called idm stuff yeah but how it like mixes kind of elements of other genres too kind of interesting ways totally like i guess in the case of venetian snare it's like a you know classical music and strings and stuff yeah
0: yeah a hundred percent it was it was like um yeah that's the way to put it like and just that record uh i remember like one of the first one of the first times i really listened to it was we listened to it on vinyl of uh, just uh uh in the dark in my basement on the like there was a really good sound system (laughs) and uh it was just like very cinematic and there's like his usage of of like silence in that record is super
1: oh it's so dramatic yeah 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 Yeah.
0: so that's really cool and yeah i was talking to my girlfriend the other day about how i used to listen to that kind of stuff and i don't really anymore and I, i likened it to like um you know, you'll go through college and, and like you go through college and you'll learn like all of organic chemistry or something. And then it's not like, even if you're, even if you end up using like your bio degree or whatever it ends up being, it's not like you're doing chemistry problems like later on in life. Like you ingest it, you you like understand it and you're like, okay, like I don't need this to, I don't need to refer this all the time to like It's
1: like, this isn't for every day, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, but you're kind of glad you had exposure to it. Oh, yeah,
0: and it it opens your mind for sure.
1: I kind of liken it to, uh, you know, there might be a lot of guitar players where when they were a teenager, they were really into metal, and they don't play metal anymore, but it kind of has like a place in their heart. And for like a lot of, you know, pop electronic producers, maybe they were listening to crazy stuff like Venetian snares when they were a teenager, and they're not necessarily making breakcore now, but they still uh, look back on it with the fondness
0: yeah i think that's
1: a i think you probably read right about that there's
0: like a, a sense of like a coming of age kind of sense to really indulgent
1: genres of music maybe it's
0: like a cool way of thinking about it
1: when you started playing music did you go right into like messing around on a computer or did, like did you take uh piano lessons or guitar lessons like as the the typical like grade school kid does what what was your entry into that
0: so my first step into music was uh, like and I had never thought about it but uh, I just remember one day I was uh visiting my family in Albany and I you know saw my cousin had a guitar and like all of a sudden I had that idea of like I think I want that guitar (laughs) like do you like and I ended up buying it off of her for like fifty dollars and it was just an obsession not even not an obsession like uh where I was telling everyone about it or anything just kind of like a the process of playing guitar and like just the like the process of doing and learning anything you just like get absorbed by it and so I would just be like just the concept of and also once you can play a little bit of guitar it's like this world opens up of like oh I could probably play like that Led Zeppelin song like I should try that and that just goes for so long. So I just learning guitar for like two years, just playing that was I'll, took out, that was just what I would do after school, like most days. And uh, that's definitely where it started.
1: So initially you were like a guitar guy, maybe a bit of a, a rock guy. And then when did the uh, electronic thing really take over for you? Like when did you start working with a computer?
0: So that really came with, um, with Radiohead. Because ah, Radiohead is totally blend of electronic and rock. Totally, right? Like
1: Radiohead's they
0: epitomize that, Radiohead's yeah. such a gateway band for so many different people going so many different directions. You know, like you know, like you get into Radiohead and it's like you might leave appreciating jazz, you might leave appreciating electronic music, you might leave appreciating rock or crowd rock or all this other stuff, or yeah, yeah. So experimental rock. Yeah, you know, so so, uh, once I, you know, like I, I remember my first thing was with Radiohead was seeing, um, one of the Scotch, you know, the Scotch mixed, uh, music videos they did. They're like live sessions. I saw a video of them playing videotape and, uh, Johnny Greenwood was playing, um, a 909 drum machine.
2: Oh. And that like
0: blew me away, right? Cause first of all, I'd never <laughs> seen one and I was like. I just saw it and I was like, that's what I, I feel like I, I really want that. <laughs> like, they look cool. Yeah. They they, sure. they look crazy. So first off, I was like, I feel like I need to like have something like that. But then B it was just like the way he was using, it was so interesting. Like it was weird when I learned that it was uh kind of like the house drum machine and it was like, you know, the thing that like Paul Abdul would use or like Madonna or, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it, yeah was, and it's in a lot of like hip hop Totally. along
1: with the 808 yeah
0: um, and he was using it so like minimally he was using it in such this like muted way and i thought that was like i was obsessed with that concept at when i saw that of just like what if i had all of these um external like hardware tools that were kind of just making really like modest points of themselves And, uh, that's really when I got into, so I really got into hardware at that point and that's kind of where I've stayed. Um, this, this concept of taking all these weird tools and doing something together with them.
1: And now how many synthesizers do you have? (laughs) So I think I'm, I think I can,
0: I am looking at them all right now and there's, uh. All right. So they all fit in one
2: room. Yeah. There's a, there's at least
0: has that's good enough. (laughs) Um, I have three keyboards, um, and then two modules, and then I have a microkorg in my closet that I don't use anymore.
1: cord. Yeah, it's fun to use early on, but then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's limitations. <laughs> yeah, with it for sure. Yeah, it's a,
0: it's. A, I think it's. I wouldn't stop anyone from getting one to to get into synthesizers because also like yeah, you know, like all those lists on it. It's like kind of um, it's kind of like a weeder course on synthesis. Like if you don't want to mess with all the lists and figure out what each thing does, you probably don't want to be that deep into synthesizers anyway. You know. Oh
1: yeah, it's kind of like a test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Synthesis one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. So when did you start the basic printer project? So it started. Um, it started in
0: two thousand nine, and it's. Uh, it was again it was right at this crux of like kind of being introduced to Radiohead and then and then seeing like and introducing that world of recording and uh in hardware and whatnot mm-hmm. and it was just like learning guitar it just became that equivalent kind of obsession to where once I had a sound card um and I could record it was just like okay like you can make a house song you can make um like a lo-fi acoustic song you can make like a seven minute prog tune and i would just do different versions of that um over and over and over and over and i'd post it and no one would care but it would be like very fun
1: (laughs) i mean you're still in high school or something (laughs) yeah yeah totally totally it's quite a long ways ago Yeah, yeah
0: yeah and i still have a lot of those recordings
1: yeah it's good to hold on to them i think i have about around a hundred like electronic recordings from when I was a teenager. Yeah. yeah it's uh, just, I don't really make that kind of stuff anymore, but it's good to hold on to.
0: Totally. And it's just easy to, to, to get out there if you're,
1: and, and again, especially once you realize what you can do, it's just like comes right out. Yeah. It's hard to stop. <laughs> yeah. And was it always uh, kind of a, just a solo effort for you or did, yeah. were you collaborating with people at any point? It's or, or, You must be working with some people now. <laughs> So yeah, it's um it's been the most
0: collaborative it's ever been, but it's it's still very much um an isolated thing in most ways. So just because also it's like once it starts alone and like you kind of develop your muscle for it, you also get kind of selfish about it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um so not until pretty deep into it had I like, you know, I'd played in other bands by that point. I played in this rock band this like all rock band that was so much fun and I met uh I kind of bonded with those guys and uh the drummer of that band ended up drumming in one of my records that was like the first time where I was like let's you know I'll, I'll give up one hand on the wheel see and see how this goes uh but lately lately it's been more more collaborative in the way of like second opinions and like production or engineering help or um like I did a string quartet on this last EP and like that all oh wow, yeah yeah it was sweet and um it was amazing and but I really outsourced every component of that like my you know I had one one of my friends scored it and the other friend um the other friend uh engineered it and another friend helped produce it so less in the way of like musical playing i guess less in the way of playing and more in the way of minds more in the way of thoughts on on things has been what i've
1: yeah you're more of like a director
0: totally and it comes with confidence too like first of all having your vision but second of all like guiding someone through it and not being too self-conscious about like getting what you want out of it you know
1: so how did you come to the point with that song that you knew you needed a, a string quartet like how do you usually start putting your songs together?
0: Yeah, so so this that the tune I'm talking about is called Regal Sprint and it's the the closer on my um latest EP, but that's on the
1: latest one, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So making that song, that's actually a good song to talk about just because it's like very typical I feel of my process, which is that um it, it usually starts with this like cellular idea um, and it'll be like at first so like I think it kind of started with when I when I would first record, it would be like from a place with it would be from a place where there wasn't a lot of musical backing to it. Like I didn't have a I didn't have a big reservoir of like musical ideas to draw from. So I'd kind of be trying to like extract this idea out of nothing. And if if I found like a good idea, it was like really precious, you know? So I would usually just extend that idea, as like like stretch it as far as it could go. Until it got to the point where I was like, I, you know, this song is going to need another section or another kind of thing like this. And there was like that was kind of almost like an exercise early on that uh, that I would take out of necessity because I feel like I didn't know how to properly compose. And this so Mm -hmm. this song is, is definitely like a typical kind of basic printer tune in that it's kind of true to that form. However many years later to where. It just has this main, this main riff that I'm like beating over, you over the head with. And it's just uh, surrounding that concept, that musical concept, is, are all of these layers um, and just different moods. And that's kind of what happened. And then finally, once... So that idea kind of overtakes the song for the first third of it or whatever. And then I finally um, have this coda at the end. And it has this repetitive vocal that it, you know it's the lead vocal but it eventually becomes the background vocal because it's so repetitive and it was like uh i had it repeating so many times it just became it was like this needs a lead element and i don't know everything about like the, the chord structure was like had this like fluttery kind of sunny vibe to it and it felt like it needed that uh something like that like some kind of a, like uh a uplifting organic element to it and we we thought it should have been a string quartet
1: and then you're like, "Oh crap! I have to put that together now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right. But it's it, totally and. But once you have a vision for it, you know that you need it. That the song like can't do without it. That really motivates you to to go about assembling everything you need to put together. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it's interesting how those things don't stop
0: us as musicians. Like, okay, like just because you have the idea, it doesn't mean you have to go do it now,
1: like. There's no boss.
0: There's no yeah. boss and there's no limits, so you should probably do that idea. <laughs> you know?
1: So see where it takes you. Yeah. So that was cool. So do you find um as a composer, are you pretty analytical? Like will you go a little bit at a time and see what uh tools you can use to to play with it, or do you does a lot come out of once out of your imagination and you just kinda paint in broad strokes?
0: So uh, I'm not analytical. Um, and that's kind of where I've, I've enlisted more help kind of where I've, you know, recognized it finally as a weakness and asked for more help, you know, like sort of saying like with how, like my first, um, compositional efforts, like a lot of that, a lot of that tendency has not left me, you know, to where it's like, uh, you know, I feel lucky to have come across a musical idea. Like I'm not, evidently i'm prolific but i don't i don't feel that way i feel like i very i very happily like very luck luckily stumbled upon all of my songs and so yeah. um if i have something uh, i will try to maximize its usage and its efficiency and maybe not um overdo many ideas just because i feel like i don't have many but you know at one moment um but what I'll do, right, is like so I'll have that process and then I'll take it to my my very good friend and uh, keyboardist in the live band, uh, Aaron, who's he's a musical scholar. He has a master's in music and he's a musician uh, by trade. And, you know, it'll be a thing where it's like I'll show him a recording and then he'll be like, ah, oh, you know, but like the thing is, you should really have like a like a leading tone right there, like a. You know, maybe if that was um, a different kind of harmony, but, and I'll hear him say, and I'll be like, internally, I'll be like, yeah, I know I was lazy and didn't figure that out and like, should have done it and blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm not going to do it if he doesn't, you know, <laughs> if he doesn't point it out and, and, and identify
1: it. So. Right. If you get him on the case thing, you don't need to question all that stuff yourself necessarily. Yeah.
0: That's actually a good way of, of putting it too. Um, you taking away your ego and your just you know you're in the you're right you're in the room alone writing how many hours and he's not so it's like he's gonna not have a lot of that bias which is good
1: hmm. and uh so when you perform i saw that you uh, did a tour yeah it's a uh,
0: we have a four-piece band um and it's it's become a super cool thing uh it's become like something i'm super proud of because in
1: Binghamton, translating your music to a yeah. four-piece live band, I can't see that as being easy yeah, necessarily. You packing so many bells and whistles, so, different sound effects and stuff into the arrangement. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's why that's part of probably why I'm so proud of you know and glad that it's happening the way it is. Is that like in Binghamton, um, I would play in so many different iterations. I would play alone. I would play with people, and it always felt like very amateur. And it was because of exactly that like it's hard to translate well um and for the longest time it it felt like uh it wasn't supposed to be a live thing and once i moved to nashville and like met a lot of good musicians and like started talking to people and and see again seeing you know these people um actually taking interest to my like weird music because they get the musicality of it and like not being judgmental of the 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 visual or cultural Mm -hmm. component get in the way it's like uh the band situation has gotten super cool and like very tight and, and pretty fully fledged. Um, and we play all the time and people, so like people compare us like the live situation. Like I've had people, a lot of people compare us to, they call us like we sound progressive, you know? And it's, I think people say that because it's just like having this band not play, play like this electronic music, not to a click with all of this, this dense layering of stuff it's like reminds them of prog music and it just takes up maybe a prog level of attacking Mm -hmm. it to it's like to produce this like funny three minute
1: song but it's not really prog you know (laughs) i mean you tend to seems like what you do is you blend this experimental electronic influence and that kind of sound template but then you're also essentially writing like funky pop songs a lot of the time yeah. So blending those two elements, that's kind of uh, kind of a unique thing to do. Ah, I appreciate it. Um,
0: I think you're totally right about your assessment of the music, and I think um, I think the thing is like the, the where the aesthetic comes in, or like where the lyrics, or the the, the feeling, or the backdrop of the the music. Yeah, is it comes from like this concept, like it's just like being honest with yourself. You know what I mean? Like I'm like I'm 25 and a musician, but like I'm not like insecure to the point where I need to like be wearing leather and like pretending that I'm I'm cooler than I am you know so like if I if I'm like sitting down and it becomes this very like childish like like funky like fun wonky kind of thing like yeah that's what you are so you may as well just go like just explore it to the fullest extent and uh so so not taking cues from like the, the complexity of music to be like, oh no, this is this is academic music or this is, you know, and just letting it happen.
1: Do people dance at your shows,
0: or do you <laughs> yeah. try to get people dancing? Yeah, I think so. It's so it's been it's getting to the point where more like
1: you know it's hard for people to
0: um I, I find it's it's hard for people to dance to danceable music if they are not acquaint, acquainted with it, you know. So it's like we're kind of getting to that point where people you know, I've seen us a few times where they know when to dance or they know that it's like, okay now, but it's definitely danceable. And it's like, the shows are very rambunctious and loud, which is great.
1: (laughs) Did it uh, take you a while to get comfortable with performing or to enjoy performing? Or has it always been interesting to you? Or did you like, you know, starting out doing intricate compositions on the computer by yourself a lot was kind of a A challenge at first to adapt into, you know, I guess you have to develop your outwardly persona, your extroverted self when you're performing Mm -hmm. live. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um,
0: definitely a learning curve and an acclimation process over many, many years. And every, (laughs) I mean, I'm always thinking about how to get better at that. And, uh, you know, it's like, you'll see a band, you'll see like, um, You'll see a band like do you know that band, The Main? Uh I don't think I've heard this they're, they're just like a pop kind of like familiar. a pop rock band, like to the truest extent, maybe like a little bit of a pop punk vibe to it. But um like you'll see their their front man, it's just like the classic thing of a front man where he's he's just like just with full confidence,
1: like just saying, like, how are you guys doing? blah. blah, blah. And it's like yeah, he's got the sunglasses yeah
0: and, the, and it's like the whole get up like, um, I kind of appreciate that level of confidence and like I don't know um, execution it's like kind of masterful now that I, I look at it and, and I've been, have been trying to reach a version of that and it's just like really appreciating how hard that can be to do and trying to get there is like god cuz we're, you know, creative types are kind of they're digging into themselves for so long it's like hard to not come out of it and be a little self-conscious, you know. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Definitely takes some practice. Yeah. But that's great that you're starting to get uh, acclimated to it. Are you uh booking a lot of tours for this coming year? You're planning to go out again? We're going to tour
0: um on April 6th through the 14th and uh we're doing the northeast so we're basically working our way up to new york and then the latter half is like new york-ish it's like three new york dates and philly and then yeah which we did that uh last year around the same time as well Hmm. no
1: massachusetts though
0: (laughs) no massachusetts i was gonna do boston um but we had to tweak some things i ended up replacing it for something else
1: new york city though I guess in a way, New York City is just as easy to get to for me as Boston is. There you go. With all the traffic. (laughs) But, um, oh, that's awesome that you're able to continue playing many gigs in many different places. Besides, uh, the touring, do you have a lot of other stuff in the works at the moment? Your follow up to last year's EP? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to
0: make, um, I'm trying to make a record. I don't like to plan records or give myself a deadline for records I naturally work pretty quickly and regularly so I like to see usually I mean there's a vibe that I'm in that it's like you tap it for a few songs and then you realize like what the record's going to be and it's always fun to like live in that theme for a while so I'm kind of in the moment of seeing where that theme is but I have a, good, a pretty good start on what will be a record that I think should be done by the end of the year.
1: Nice. Yeah, It's you kind of uncover the concept of the album as you're going about making the songs. You don't think too critically about what you're doing until the end. Maybe, Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think,
1: uh, do you know the band Dirty Projectors? I was going to say, your music sounds a lot like them, <laughs> I think. I'm sure you've heard that uh, before. I
0: have. I'm honored. It's funny because I feel like the texture is component, like maybe the music, like... The scores are pretty dirty projectors, but I'm like surprised when people parse that out because I feel like they would be distracted by all of the tones, you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, But so like, I feel like when he has a concept, when he has a record, I feel like he has this concept all like, he goes crazy about this concept before any of the songs are written. And then he's like, it all has to be like this. It all has to be like this. You know? And I'm like, not like that. Rather, like you say, I would rather uncover it.
1: Yeah. Or like you said earlier, you, you're not as analytical. You just like to let stuff uh, flow a little bit more.
0: Yeah.
1: 100%. Besides music, is there uh, anything in particular you like to do in your spare time? Are you a big video game guy? So... I used to be a huge like Nintendo nerd
0: and uh, like for sure like up until I kind of slowly traded it off for music and like slowly so it was a yeah, lot it was a long years and years and like so I've never I haven't ever given it up I, I definitely don't spend as much time or money on music or on, on video games um, but for example right like when the New Zelda came out I bought I bought that and I've been playing it for a year now almost a year like since it came out like I've been satisfied just playing that one Zelda game for a year so like I do have my my wow. like I do a lot like a little bit of my my life to to video games still but I've been playing Final Fantasy 3 now the uh the SNES one
1: <laughs> wow that's pretty old school
0: yeah it's really cool actually it's like very char it's a very quirky game.
1: Yeah, the uh, the storylines of some of those like nineties Japanese games will get a little experimental. <sighs> Definitely. So well. Oh yeah. It is, Push the boundaries.
0: Yeah, and the, and the other thing about like the JRPGs is that um <laughs> it feels like right, it feels like there's like always fifteen characters and like all of them are melodramatic and like everyone's like pasts are like damaged and like, you know. <laughs> And it's just like, like you should over care about everyone that like enters the frame or like,
1: I don't know. Yeah, you have to get so involved. Yeah, it's just like very emotional stuff. You growing up and playing all those games, all those soundtracks, that must have influenced your sound at least somewhat. So I, you know, have to imagine,
0: you know, it must have. I like I never, I never sit down and go like, this is like, I never sit down and be like, you know, this is, this is a, like a video game, like I'm going for a video game sound, but it always comes out and it's like, there's no way this didn't happen, you know? And like, so that same track I was talking about with the string quartet, um, there's a Mario sample from Mario 64. It's just like one of his little vocal samples is in that song. And,
1: oh.
0: and, you know, never once though, in even in doing that was I like, I'm in, like I'm thinking about Mario right now. Like this is this is like my video game past has done this to me. Like it was just another t- sound in my my repertoire, like, like that I've experienced. That it was like, oh, I know that that sound would work here.
1: Mm-hmm. So it seeped into
0: the subconscious somewhere. Yeah, there, I think so. Even
1: if you're not always aware of it. And uh,
0: I don't know. I get. I guess it has influenced me. I couldn't tell you. I feel like it just seems like evident, but. Um, there is there is one game soundtrack that has definitely affected me, and that's um, the Bomberman Hero OST, which is an N64 game.
2: Hmm.
0: It's like this really innovative electronic stuff. It's like very good. There's also a lot of 909 on it,
1: speaking of. It <laughs> uh, was back in the that's 90s, right? right. <laughs> cool. Yeah, they had a lot of awesome electronic music back then. That was kind of like... A Heyday of sorts.
0: Yeah, it was definitely like the Renaissance
1: and like just yeah, and you know like jungle and drum and bass Like I love that stuff So the the kind of music you produce though, do you think there's a uh, much of a scene for that right now? like do you find a lot of other musicians that you kind of uh, Relate to or do you feel like you have a pretty unique sound going on right now?
0: It, it would appear it would appear that it's pretty unique but you know i don't feel alone in it you know what i mean like i feel like i feel like i'm probably like an average version of like the the casio kid hipster that that people would typecast me as you know like that's what it um that's my perspective on it but you know it's like never do i find anyone that makes sense to play with so (laughs) like on a bill
1: Oh, so <laughs> you're always at odds so with whoever else they, they vote.
0: yeah. So it's like, you know, evidently, um, I must be doing something pretty unique. Uh, it's always hard to know from the inside, though. I mean, I think the thing about it is like, I, I feel like I translate a lot of emotion into it. Um, and I don't think it comes across, um, just on the outset, but I think like the brute force of how much I put into it leaks out into this, maybe connectivity that people kind of s- smell off of it maybe um that makes it yeah that makes it more doable than if it were just kind of these like fidgety synth songs
1: totally and your your lyrics seem to have a lot of uh emotional content a lot of stuff going on there yeah
0: yeah um a lot of that came from so like you know um of Montreal oh yes yeah I'm a big yeah fan I love of, of Montreal and kind of like my first few records um like after doing them I realized like I was I remember I listened to Hissing Fauna that record and yep that's that's my favorite yeah it's incredible it's like definitely the best record (laughs) and just the like unabashed diaristic like this is like I'm just talking about my wife right now and like you know what I mean? Like, my, like just these these very yeah. like sharp recountings and like of things that have actually happened, filtered through these these like crazy vocabulary and like fantasy elements, I guess you could say. But that was like super empowering to be like, yeah, you can just say whatever you have to say. You, you know, can go there. That was totally, That was a, like my lyrical turning point to where it's like, you can, yeah, you can go there. You can say what you have to say, and. Um, and I feel like I've gotten looser about it even. Like it's gotten almost to it. And, and it's I come back around to where I've like kind of understood punk music more. To where like I kind mm. of started to where the, this like unabashed kind of, you know, th- these this is about this life experience, like this, you know, aching that I'm going through. But um, but still having to have like this this metaphorical element or like this poetry to it. And like I've I've kind of gotten like less... I've kind of gotten less interested in like making sure that components there and just be like, like, no, 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 like just say it, you know? And I feel like
1: that's, I feel
0: like this is very much a punk kind of thing that I hadn't, like a punk ethos that I hadn't considered before.
1: Well, I, uh, I'm eager to hear what the next release is going to sound like as you kind of go through that, uh, evolution more and more, finding what you want to say and just putting it out there.
0: Yeah, me too. I like, it's kind of scary. Like, what am I going to? Like, am I going
1: <laughs> to... What am I going to discover about Yeah, what am going to discover?
0: Am I going to say something like too abrasive and not care? And then, you know, but like... <laughs> you just got to let the chips fall. Yeah, exactly.
1: Minute. Exactly.
0: That's, I'm of that belief too.
1: All right, Jesse. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, this was so much fun. I love doing these. Awesome. Okay. So that was Basic Printer very nice talking to him cool to know we listened to a lot of the same music growing up and uh, if you liked this episode of talking about the passion write us a review on itunes we would love to hear from you and if you use spotify you can follow the talking about the passion spotify playlist to hear a whole collection of awesome tunes from artists who've been featured here in the past you can follow the podcast on Facebook at Talking About the Passion. I'm also on Twitter at Podcast, and on Instagram at Niagara Moon Music. If you want to write in uh, with any questions or comments, you can email TATPPodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to play another basic printer song now. This is the one uh, Jesse was talking about with the string quartet. It's called The Regal Sprint. Oh, and lastly, if you want to hear the upcoming new Niagara Moon album for free and exclusively, you can't get it anywhere else, uh, just head on over to freeniagramoonalbum.com. And uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks.
2: To say on the agenda. It's cause I'm overtaken by the aesthetic or the honor. Let's get a different referendum. Refer to Deborah to Pierre. When does it become alright? I won't be crazy.